Hey everybody, Todd here. Welcome back to Game Dev Breakdown. In honor of E3, which is currently not happening, <laughs> uh, today we're going to hear an appearance I did on the Dialogue Tree podcast with our friend Roger Reichert, uh, formerly of the Gamerheads podcast. He's a nice guy who runs an awesome podcast, and he uh, has been talking to people who are talking to other people who are affected by the, uh, the COVID pandemic, anyone affected by displaced industry events, things like that. And we had a really good chat, so I wanted to share that here and encourage you guys to check out his work. Only other thing before I let you uh, listen to that appearance is we have started a Discord server and uh, you can find a link to it at CodeWritePlay.com. We've shut down the Patreon community. We're continuing at Discord. Totally free. Come one, come all. Tell us what you're working on and let us be your virtual co-workers, as it were. So uh, that's it. Check out that link on CodeWritePlay. Check out CodeWritePlay.com. All the usual stuff. And uh, I'll have more for you soon. Here's my chat with Roger. And welcome to another episode of the Dialogue Tree Podcast. My name is Roger Reichert, and tonight my guest is Todd Mitchell. He is the host of the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast. He is a game developer and freelance writer and interviewer, and he also runs the site Code Write Play. Welcome to the show, Todd. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, Todd, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So, uh, as we discussed, I'm, I'm from the St. Louis area. I've uh, worked in software development for more than 15 years. Uh, my wife is a physician, and when uh, when our son was born, I went into indie development so I could uh, care for our son and pursue my dreams of making games, and you know how, how that stuff goes. So, uh, in, in the last five years or so, I've shipped a mobile game. I've collaborated with a local VR studio. Wow. I've worked in games journalism, and I got to start CodeWrite Play, my website, and Game Dev Breakdown. Wow. That's, that's impressive. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people that say, I'm going to go into the you know, indie game and then, like, I don't know, a year later, they're like, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty impressive that, uh, you know, you're like, I'm going to do this and, you know, you're doing it. So that's awesome. There, there's a lot of pressure to uh, make it work once you make that official announcement. So uh, I managed to put out something and I'm very happy with that. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, so I wanted to bring you on because we talked on Twitter uh, about uh, how COVID-19 has been affecting the game industry. And I know that through your site, you have interviewed um, some game developers. So I, I wanted to talk about that. So you had a chance to talk to some of the devs about the impact of COVID-19 and what it had on them. What have you been hearing and what's the general consensus? So when it comes to the uh, quarantine, the pandemic, everything that's been unfolding lately... I think a lot of us have made the same mistake and that was we, you know, we're indie developers. We get to do a lot of great things for ourselves. And so we kind of thought we were ready for this way of life. Mm. And so I came into this month going, you know, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I'll help pull things together for some of my friends. I'll do some write-ups and I'll do a lot of things. And I think I made the same mistake. We all thought this is just business as usual for us. And this has really challenged everybody in a lot of unexpected ways. And I've, I'm hearing that from everybody from AAA developers to solo indies to, you know, just, just hobbyists who uh, couldn't have less at stake. This has hit everybody pretty hard. Yeah. Do you think, um, and we'll, we'll kind of go into like the, the, 
the conferences and, and such that's been canceled. But do you think this is a harder hit on the indie studios or do you think that they are more ready to adapt to the, these types of things? Um, the reason I asked that question, because I've been so impressed with a lot of the small business owners in my area that have adapted quickly. And it shouldn't really shock me that much because of the fact that they, you know, to be successful, you have to adapt and in, in, in change in in the environment that you're in. Um, so I was wondering about the same thing with game devs. Do, do you think that the indie studios are having a, a easier time adapting to the change or a more difficult time? It's a good question. I think there's an interesting difference between uh, sort of the big teams and the small teams, pros and indies. Uh, a lot of people, like I have friends at Gearbox, for example, and you know they're fresh off Borderlands 3 and onto DLC and things like this. And the challenge for them was, how do, how do we do work tomorrow? You know, how do we, we've got to go home, we got to work from home. Hopefully we have a strong enough computer to work on profession, professional visual effects or you know, audio mastering and things. And those guys are trying to figure out what they're going to do right now. I think the indies are trying to figure out what they're going to do in six months when they're ready to launch their game or in two months when they've got to find a publisher. Uh, those those folks, I think, are uniquely <laughs> prepared to adapt to this. But there are questions that are going to come later. And I think that's starting to worry a lot of those people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of talking about the conferences then, too, I know that, uh, you know, GDC has been canceled. Well, I guess it got po- postponed, right? Um, and we're yes. going to do a virtual conference instead. Um, Last they said, they were talking about trying a very, very short in-person event mm. in August. And I think that's way too optimistic, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, E3 has been canceled. Um, yes. So I guess what what impact does this have on uh, independent studios and smaller studios? So the big thing is a lot of smaller studios were counting on, uh, for a lot of us, this started at GDC. We, we expected people to be able to travel from wherever they are, whether it be, you know, my area, I've gone from St. Louis before, but there are teen. I talked to somebody recently who was going from Lithuania to go to GDC and they were absolutely counting on finding people to talk to about publishing and other things that uh, are are uh, well known for in, in San Francisco and in Southern California, and suddenly these people aren't able to uh, interact with these folks nearly as easily. So uh, GDC was a big one, and now E3 as well. I think both of those places were were very very easy places to talk to. Uh, you know, all sorts of uh, services and and cu- uh, custom service providers that people needed and now they might not be able to get access to. Yeah. And I think, I mean, kind of going with that same question I had with how our studios adapting to this, I get the sense that for, you know, a larger studios like AAA studios, probably the transition to working from home might be a little bit more difficult, but the cancellation of like E3s are probably not that, I mean, it's bad, but not as probably hard hitting as probably those indie studios that rely on E3 to get their name out to the press, to get the games out there so people can try. Is is that correct? Do you think that's the same sentiment that you have? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, if you're from a big studio, and this isn't really their fault, this is just the way that the industry has sort of evolved, uh, 
these studios don't think too much of, you know, it's time to go to GDC. It's time to go to E3. This is business the way we've always done it. And it's, it's no problem. Uh, for, for indies, it's, it's high risk and high reward. Hopefully it's, it's a long shot that they take. And if they can't do it suddenly, they may have travel expenses. They can't get covered. I mean, this, this could make or break some studios. Um, the, certainly the AAA studios don't like it either, but these, these small guys are really getting beaten up over it. Yeah. Yeah. I read, um, so I read actually one of your interviews, uh, uh, on, on your site, uh, about brutal grounds. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and listeners, you should go read the other article cause it's re- it's really good. And it's in it, it talks about the challenges, uh, and, and really about, you know, how, how smaller studios really do use, uh, you know, E3 and other events to connect with, um, a lot of their, their fans and, and get their name out there. So, uh, yeah, I can imagine this is probably really difficult. Uh, time, that, right? that was an interesting one, yeah, because those guys have team members in LA, yeah. and and they just happened to be the first people who got back to me when I sent out some questions to some folks. But uh, <laughs> I found it interesting because half their team is in Canada, I think maybe Vancouver, something like that. But um, then the other half, the two brothers who founded the studio, are from LA, and once everybody was basically asked to shelter in place. Now suddenly these guys have no longer any advantage, you know, for being in the right place at the right time. Now it's as hard for them to talk to a publisher as it is uh, for the folks from Lithuania. You know? Yeah. With with E3 being canceled, uh, do you think this will be the end of E3 or will the event evolve into something else? This is an interesting topic because I personally, I've never been to E3 personally, but uh, we all know so many companies had these huge presences as we uh, first got into all this. In years past, this was a giant event for companies like Sony, Microsoft. And little by little, even before this started, people sort of started backing away from E3. And so when this started, I came into this thinking, this is probably it for E3. Yeah. Now, as I started talking to people... I've heard from several people who uh, absolutely don't feel that way. And some of these people are involved in more physical business. I know uh, this meant a lot to the founders of Limited Run Games, who I haven't personally talked to, but they're very vocal on Twitter about this. Like, I can't believe they're doing this to us. We have to have E3. I couldn't believe what a big deal this still is to some people. So people are still pretty hesitant to let go of events like this. So I'm not sure this is totally going to do it yet. Huh. Interesting. Uh, yeah. cause I, cause it, yeah, I heard the opposite too. I, I mean, I heard the, Oh, this is the end. It's the end of yeah, E3. Yeah. You know, like a lot I of thought that too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, and I think it's, I've never been to E3 myself and that's actually a goal of mine. I, I mean, I would like yeah. to actually have it come back because I do want to, you know, go there sometime and check it out. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. It'd be interesting to see if it evolves into something different. Um, I don't know. Maybe do you, do you get the sense that maybe they'll use this as a, uh, reset as well? I mean, possibly Uh, changing direction. I think if they're wise, I think there will be a version of that. Uh, when I did go to GDC one time, uh, two years ago now, uh, I realized while I was there as an interviewer, and and this would go for press and streamers and anybody who makes content like uh, we do. 
I thought if I if I scheduled this right and if I had the right cooperation on the floor, I could have done my part of this from home remotely or, mm. you know, if I worked in an office place with the rest of a team or something, I could have done this there. Yeah, uh, I think we're maybe going to start seeing a version of that. I think we're going to see a scaled down presence at events and I think we are going to see more remote participation in the future. Uh, this That might be a little far-fetched, but I think if they don't, we we might continue to have issues like this until pe- so many people have dropped out. Uh, it's it's no longer doable. I'm, I'm really not sure, but I, I think it's going to change somehow. Mm. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because, I mean, we, we knew that, like, PlayStation wasn't going to be there. Um, or Sony wasn't going to be there. So, you know, once you start having some of the bigger names kind of dropping out of E3 too, it'd be interesting to see how they're going to evolve into something, like you said, something different. Maybe it will be more of a virtual, uh, meetup. I, I still think that indie studios probably would like to see something like E3 happen just because of the fact that it allows people to, to see their product. And, and we've been, ex- I mean, I, I've actually seen a lot of games that I, didn't even hear of before um, through E3. So, it, you know, I, I would hate to see that go away completely, but we'll see. Yeah. I, guess. I, I do think there is room for these events to sort of skew a little more toward indies and allow them to do some of the same business that bigger studios had done in the past. So if, I mean, if Microsoft and Sony decide they no longer need E3 or need GDC as badly as they used to, it would be interesting to see at least some mid-sized studios get to step up in their place and uh, rub elbows with publishers and, you know, have those long lines of players looking to play their games. I know it's not going to make the same, it might not make the same kind of money that it used to for the organizers, but I think it would still be worthwhile. So maybe, maybe we see a little bit longer life head that direction for these events i'm not sure yeah yeah i guess we'll time will tell <laughs> yeah, yeah we're gonna find out yeah. we are gonna find out uh so i mean there's been a lot of you know um kind of sad stories is there any positive stories that have come out results of of this and how business models may have changed due to the pandemic there really have uh and i this is kind of, I knew I had so much faith in the community. I knew if I took some time, spoke with some teams and really dug in, I knew I would be able to find some stuff to bring back and go, but look at what's happening here. You know, look at the nice things. So I've been very happy to find that teams I've talked to, uh, like the Brutal Grounds team that's in LA slash Canada, or the, uh, I talked to the, the team from Lithuania recently, another one from, uh, Ohio, somewhere uh, here in the U.S., these guys are finding that almost everywhere, if you're involved in game development, other people around you are probably doing it as well. Maybe you don't have a nearby university that teaches it. You know, maybe you can't major in it in your area, but there's probably a group of people who have fun with this stuff like you do, and they have goals and dreams and would like to release a game for the Xbox one day. So these small communities are they become tight knit almost by accident. It's like a happy accident that all these people will get on a Facebook group or they'll have a discord server. And these guys at a time like this, they look out for each other. You know, the same people you talk to casually at maybe a, a unity meetup or an unreal engine user group once a month, these same people, when something like this happens, I think they run to those groups and go, 
hey, how's everybody doing? How are you guys coping with this? And they not only share, you know, technical information, here's how I organize my work items on a, a task board or, you know, little little tips, but they're also checking in and going, you know, are you staying encouraged? Are you upbeat? Are you positive about this? Because I think we're all going to be okay. Let's talk, you know, and, yeah. and that's been beautiful. And the other thing is a lot of, of industry people, publishers and uh, uh, folks who uh, do professional roles, maybe say a, a graphics artist or something will reach out to indies and people on the outside and go, hey, you know, if if you didn't get to come to GDC or if you didn't get to come to E3, those are two sentences I've heard a hundred times each on Twitter. If you didn't get to do this, hmm. here's what I can offer you. And I've done that as well. Come on the podcast. Let me write about your project on, on Code Right Play, whatever platform I have. And that's what everybody's saying. Whatever platform I have, whatever resources I can share, let me share them with you. And I've never seen anything like that. I mean, people want to be helpful and they want to reach out, but I've never seen people step up like they're stepping up right now. And it's really been great. Yeah, that's exciting. That's 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 encouraging. And and I mean, I think as a community, um, it's it's great to see. I mean, it's it's probably people that are outside the community policy that you know probably see game development and stuff with as very kind of cutthroat. I would say sometimes, um, yeah. <laughs> but I think I think that when you're in it, though, I think that you know I got the same sense from the people that I've been talking to. Right? They there's good community, good, good people talking with each other and trying to, you know, connect with each other probably more now than they have before. And that's just, like you said, it's really encouraging to see that. I've got a couple quick examples of this that yeah. I think, I think you'd love. When I did go to GDC a couple of years ago, that was a uh, part of a partnership with a guy I met at Microsoft named Barat Bot, who uh, would bring in podcasters and content creators to their various events. And uh, when I first met that guy, he was just this, I didn't know what to think because I'm going to meet someone from Microsoft. And yeah. I, as a, a teenager, I looked them up and thought like, wouldn't it be great to work for them one day? And these guys <laughs> make the Xbox and it's so exciting. Yeah. So I actually meet somebody from the company for the first time. He's this very nice guy. Um, I see him hug a bunch of people that he hasn't seen since last year. You know, <laughs> we walk by the Nintendo booth and I, for a minute, I sort of bristle. I'm like, this this might be uncomfortable because we have the same meeting spaces nearby. <laughs> so he stops at this booth with these Nintendo guys. He has me take pictures of them together. He he exchanges cards with them. He he uh, makes updates for lunch that they're gonna go talk about what they do. <laughs> People in the industry love each other. We mm. we do see the cold bloodedness, and it's real and it's unfortunate. But there's also this stuff I wish people could see more of because yeah. um, the other studio I've made friends at is uh, Obsidian. And these guys are a fantastic example of this. They they can, If you watch their Twitter account, they will congratulate people on their other games that come out. They were all excited about Doom. They're all excited about this and that. And it's so much fun to see people who just love games and love the people who play them and make them. These guys are having the time of their lives. And if you're able to keep that alive then there's no reason that we can't all have fun together like this. And that's, that's what I love seeing right now. Yeah. Yeah. It gives hope to, uh, to this times right now, certainly. And it's it really does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Todd, what, what's, uh, what's next for you? What are you, what are you working on right now? Can you share that? <laughs> I, I can tell you everything I know about what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> 
really, this has been such a unique time that it, it's caused me to kind of take inventory. Like, what am I really working on and what would be best to work on right now? So um, I'm actually looking at maybe doing some writing in uh, you know, maybe book form. I've always wanted to be able to put a book out. And I realized I've spent years now collecting some of the most incredible wisdom from people other than myself, people much smarter than me. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, it's become a resource that I think could be compiled into some form that people would appreciate. So I'm looking at maybe working on a book. Uh, we're always doing more podcast stuff. And uh, the Patreon group has been very supportive and very forgiving as I've sort of... Uh, fumbled around to sort of determine what's next. But uh, the idea is content and reaching out to folks who are creating things and we're all just trying to help each other along. So I'm always looking at new ways to do that. That's awesome. Uh, and how can people follow you? So you can look at codewriteplay.com. That's that's the number one place to find anything I'm working on. Uh, CodeWriteplay is on Twitter. So we tweet out new articles, new podcasts, new anything like that. You can find the Patreon from there. I am at Mechatodzilla on Twitter. That's one D and two L's. So if you want to find more silly stuff about me and watch me try to hit golf balls into a laundry basket like I was doing today and things like that, uh, any anything I'm doing to stay sane, uh, those are the, the places to, to reach me. Nice. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Todd, and and, uh, and let's keep in touch. And you know, down the line, we'll, we'll have you back on the show. We can talk more about uh, hopefully when things get better, and we can uh, have you back on the show and talk about uh, other projects and other things you're working on. Absolutely, and uh, let's get you on Game Dev Breakdown too. That'd be great. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, listeners, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. See ya. The Dialogue Tree is hosted by Buzzsprout the easiest podcasting software for hosting, promoting, and tracking your podcast. The Dialogue Tree is also part of the Little Fella Media Podcast Network. The music for the podcast is from Blue Dot Sessions. The song is called Calm and Collected. You can follow us at Gamerheads PC on Twitter or go to GamerHeadsPodcast.com for more information.